Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. Addition, as the Bengals look to advance to Super Bowl 56 by knocking off the Kansas City Chiefs on their home field this Sunday. Coming up, my broadcast partner Dave Lapham joins me as we discuss what the Bengals must do to cut down on the sacks after surrendering nine last week. My one-on-one player interview is with defensive back Trey Flowers, who knows what it's like to face Patrick Mahomes. He's done so five times in the past. Evan Washburn will be on the sideline for CBS on Sunday and tells us what the noise is like from field level at Arrowhead Stadium. And in our Know the Foe segment, we'll hear from Adam Teicher, who covers the Chiefs for ESPN. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Downloaded now from the App Store and Google Play. And by On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. Visit onlocationexp.com for exclusive access to the biggest events in the NFL all season long, including Super Bowl 56. Here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since everybody in town wearing orange and black. Nothing galvanizes a city like a contending NFL team. Men and women, young and old, different races, the popularity of the NFL is truly remarkable. And the excitement level of Bengals fans right now is phenomenal. I didn't live in Cincinnati in 81 or 88, but Dave Lapham and others have described how important the fans were during those Super Bowl runs. And we are seeing it now. Who Day Nation rocks. And speaking of Lap, he's up first on this edition of the podcast. Lap, on the one hand, the Bengals just beat the Kansas City Chiefs three and a half weeks ago. On the other hand, the Chiefs are hosting the AFC Championship game for the fourth consecutive year. They're trying to go to the Super Bowl for the third consecutive year. Do you look at the Bengals as a huge underdog this week, despite the fact that they have a recent win over this opponent? Yeah, I think going to Arrowhead is tough. You know, I I think the Chiefs should be favored because it's such a tough place to play. Um, Like you said, this is the fourth straight AFC game championship game they're hosting um, two of the last three Super Bowls they've they've gone to they're seven and one in their last eight playoff games at Arrowhead so I mean it if, if, if they think they had issues communicating and all that sort of thing in Tennessee it's going to be even magnified uh, out there in Kansas City and Arrowhead but the thing is at least having experienced it they know what they're looking at they know what they're getting into they worked all week in practice with, you know, pumping up the music and all that sort of thing. And that's helpful. But, boy, when you when you go out there and you actually experience it and everything starts shaking a little bit, and, I mean, it's it's uh, it's quite imposing. There's no question. And whoever's got Chris Jones, man, feel sorry for him because it's tough. You know, it's like you're looking at the football like he is because nobody can hear. Your only advantage is eliminated. You can't hear communication on – you know, what assignments based on what how they're lining up defensively. So it has to be all hand signal stuff. So you have to look for that. You have to look for the snap of the ball. You have to be aware of where he's lining up. He could change alignments on you, and you got to be aware of all that. Man, you wish you had three eyeballs. You know, two's not quite enough. Um, it's It can be very, very tough on an offensive line. And I think 
that was part of the reason, not all of it, but it was part of the reason that, you know, nine quarterback sacks were allowed. And I'm sure that the Kansas City Chiefs, they're all like, you know, looking at that tape and saying, including Steve Spagnuolo, what can we do in, in incorporated in our schematic that gives them the same issues that the Tennessee Titans and Mike Vrabel did such a good job of incorporating in their defensive game plan, both at the line of scrimmage, you know, all kinds of bodies up there, only four coming, but which four? And then on the back end, a bunch of coverages disguising them well. I mean, they really did a good job. And, and um, how much of that will the Kansas City Chiefs be able to incorporate into their plan? After you went back and looked at it, how much was it just the offensive line not being very good and winning the individual battles? And how much was it the stuff you were just talking about, confusing Joe Burrow and not knowing on a snap-to-snap basis who was coming and where they were coming from? I'd say it was maybe 50-50, maybe 60-40 offensive line ineffectiveness. Um, but, you know, when you're talking nine sacks and actually 11, two of them were eliminated, one by timeout, one by penalty. Um Guys were having technique issues, and then particularly on twists. I mean, penetrator, looper kind of thing. You know, they, they were doing a good job on their tackle-tackle stuff inside, the, their pressure game there, and, and uh, guys were passing penetrators off to air. There was nobody there to, to, to pass the penetrator off to, and so they, they, they have to tighten up the technique part of it. Um, and the one thing that can't happen, though, is have a miscommunication where you have a free runner. I mean, there's no technique involved or anything. You just did not, your rules, uh, you did not apply your rules properly, and you didn't even account for a guy who's between the tackles, in the tackle box, and he's, he's blitzing, he's coming. Or he's at the line of scrimmage, you didn't even account for him. That is inexcusable at this stage of the season, and you have to eliminate all of those mental issues and problems that cause those kind of things. You have to be solid, and you have to really, your rules have to block people from the inside out. You're not from the outside in, from the inside out, pick up because the, the guy that's closest to the to the football is going to get to the quarterback fastest. And I don't care if it's, you're talking about Chris Jones inside and Matthew or whoever outside blitzing, that guy is going to get there faster, that straighter, shorter line to the quarterback. Joe Burrow admitted that there were at least two instances where he could have and should have gotten rid of the ball before he got sacked. One of them cost the Bengals a field goal opportunity. The other one probably should have, but Evan McPherson made one from 54 yards away. How big of a factor is that? Not just on those two plays, but Joe's, to his credit, his willingness to hang in there as long as possible to try to make a play. Yeah, it's it's uh, he, he walks that fine line a lot. And, uh, and in the playoffs, that fine line becomes even a bigger line, you know, or I should say it should become a final line to walk. You can't you can't give more margin for error. You can't make it a bigger line. You're going to have to be right in, in, in your decision in what to do because if you take a sack in this football game that knocks the te- your team out of field position, uh, field goal range, and that's that's going to be hard to recover from because they're so potent offensively. I mean, it's like now now here – Instead of lining up and kicking, a fee- having a field goal opportunity, you're punting. You know, that possession ends in a kick. That's all well and good. But I think the team that obviously steals possessions with takeaways, and then if that doesn't happen, and the last time these two teams played, there were no takeaways, no giveaways, no takeaways, no turnovers. And, and it happened in the championship, in the uh, divisional round, I should say, uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Neither team turned the football over. 
So they both played perfect games that way. So whoever ends a drive with a kick, with the punt, or has you know even a three and out, if you had, if if somebody <laughs> goes through a drive and doesn't score, that's a big deal. So if you take if you take a sack like that and knock your team out of field goal range and you have to settle for a punt, you may be able to pin them back. But man, the way that offense is playing, I mean, you you almost feel like you have to score every possession. And if you don't, and and if you don't because you made a poor decision on one by taking a sack to eliminate your team from field goal position, that's that's a factor. But he's so competitive. He feels like he can he make people miss and manipulate the pocket. And he's done it so many times. Um, but I think I think the bigger the game, the finer that line of the fine line becomes, no doubt. So in game one, the Bengals held Tyree Kill to 40 receiving yards and Travis Kelsey to 25. 65 combined yards for those two guys. For what it's worth, they had 246 last week against Buffalo. They're not going to do that again. There's no way if those two guys are healthy, they're going to have a combined 65 yards. I keep saying if you hold each of them to 65 yards, you'd probably take it. Take it. Yeah. Right now, I'd sign the contract. I'd do it. I mean, you look at it, those two guys combine for 65 yards on 11 catches. Jamar Chase for the Bengals on the same number of catches, 11 catches, goes for 266, 201 more yards than them combined. You would never, ever expect that, think that might happen. Two more football fields. You know, and, and he had three touchdowns to their combined one. Kelsey had the short touchdown reception. So one rookie receiver dominated the Pro Bowl duo, you know, of, uh, of, of the Kansas City Chiefs, who Patrick Mahomes leans on to win football games. And he leaned on him to win the football game, this past football game against the Buffalo Bills. I mean, this football team is a track team. It is a track meet when you play them. Instead of a baton, it's a football. And Tyree kills the anchor man. And, man, I'll tell you, he, he's scary. Von Bell made a great play, punching the ball out of there. Um, they would have had the ball at the, you know, inside the 20-yard line. And right before the half, and you're looking at more points on the board. That, that, was, a, that was a major play right there. Uh, Jesse Bates uh, did the same thing here recently to Renfro, you know, punched it out there at the 32-yard line after he made a catch right on the sideline of the of the Raiders. So those those guys are going to have to step up and not give up on plays and make those kind of plays again because uh, I'm telling you, this football game is going to be decided, and I agree with a lot of coaches' philosophy. Their assessment is great players are going to make great plays in these games. Which team, though, is going to avoid the tragic mistake? More games are lost than won when you get to this level. We ex- I experienced it in Super Bowl 16. We did as a team. Turned it over four times. We, we had done a great job at taking care of the football. Get to the Super Bowl, turn it over four times. They only turn it over once, plus a goal line stand. So to me, that's five turnovers. We go minus four in the Super Bowl and lose by five points. They beat us, but we beat ourselves. We beat our own butts pretty good, too. We really helped. We contributed to the cause. And when you get to this level of a game, can't do that. Just can't do it. How about Bengals offense versus Chiefs defense? Joe Burrow, four touchdown passes, 400-plus yards. Jamar Chase, you gave the numbers. Best game by a rookie in NFL history. How much different is the Chiefs going to play at this time around? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be significantly different. 
I think they're going to, you know, they're going to take the old Bill Belichick theory of eliminate the, the weapon that, that is most painful, and that's going to be Chase. I mean, he's going to be doubled when he walks out of the locker room to warm up. They're going to be doubling him. They're not even going to let him walk around comfortably on the on the field at Arrowhead to do warm-ups, I think. Doubled at the team hotel? Doubled at the team hotel. <laughs> Doubled getting off the bus, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I, I, I think they're they're not going to let that let that happen again. But I mean, that's when T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, C.J. Uzama, they, a lot of guys can step up. They've they've got multiple weapons that can step up. So do the Chiefs. So I mean, it's that's going to be the interesting chess match, you know. Um, and and what, the things that worked well for the Bengals, what you do in a play, particularly in a playoff game, the things that worked well, you 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 look at. Uh, the, the, the scheme, the philosophy of what you did, and again, make it <laughs> make the the same things look different, and different things look the same. I mean, dress it up differently, but it's the same actual way that you took advantage of what you perceived to be a weakness in their defense, and just do it in a different way. But still, make see if they made an adjustment. See if they took that thing away. Uh, I, I think at this level, the coaches are burning, and both staffs are burning midnight oil. And you can become in a situation where you're overthinking it. But what you have to do, in my, in my mind, is you have to start planning way ahead. Like you have to plan three chess moves ahead because there's going to be the initial adjustment, the adjustment to the adjustment. After every series, it's going to be like, a master chess match, it really is. That part of it's going to be very interesting as well. And a lot of it, you can't really see. You know, it's so, it's so the nuance is so minor, but it's such a big deal in the, in the way the play unfolds that uh, it, it's very interesting. There's no question. The Chiefs scored 42 last week against Buffalo. They scored 42 the week before against Pittsburgh. Their offense looks unstoppable, but it looked unstoppable going into the Super Bowl last year. They didn't score a touchdown. Earlier this year, they only scored three points in a loss against Tennessee. So every now and then, they have a clunker. Is there a blueprint for teams to have success against Kansas City's attack? You know, I, I think uh, when they came to Cincinnati, they were on an eight-game winning streak, and the Bengals knocked them off. And they were, you know, they had that little adjustment where um, Mahomes was trying to force a lot of people were playing two deep safeties and and making him be patient and check it down and all that. And he was fighting it. You know, he was still trying to force the big plays and all that. I mean, I, I think that the thing that you're going to have to do with him, and it's it's difficult to do, I think he's seen a good deal of uh, NFL defensive configuration snaps and the whole nine yards. Try to keep him off balance. I You know, I would not give him the same pre-game look, uh, pre-snap look, play after play after play. I, I, I'd play with him some, you know, try to play with his eyes, play with his mind. I, th- I think... In, in games like this, the, the coaches and then players executing what the coaches have come up with that can do the most to make the other make the opponent not trust their eyes, whether it's the quarterback, whether it's the middle linebacker, whether it's the safety, whatever it is, you just can't trust your eyes because your eyes are giving you bad intel. You know, pre-snap it looks for sure this way, but it's not, and that's when it becomes whoa. Now it's now you're thinking, what the heck do I do now? And uh, to me, I, I, I like the old Paul Brown philosophy. The bigger the game, 
melt it down and do it a bunch of different ways. But you're ending up doing it. You have, you have your core value plays, offensively, defensively. Dress it up, do it different ways. Uh, but, but ultimately, you're doing the same thing that is your identity, you feel good about, you've done over and over and over again, and now you're 20 weeks into a season, why the heck change everything? You know, just just make it look different. <laughs> again, different things look the same, same things look different. That's what this whole thing is about, the further you get into the playoffs, into the Super Bowl. You ready for my two big keys? Give me a- All right, number one, you've got to score touchdowns on at least 75% of your red zone opportunities. I love Money Mac, but I don't want to see four field goals again this week. That won't cut it against KC. Secondly, they dropped a couple of interceptions in the first game. If they get a chance at any takeaway, a fumble hits the ground, a bad pass by Mahomes, they have got to come away with those opportunities like they did last week against Tennessee. No question. I think, you know, they're plus four in the two playoff games. Five takeaways, one giveaway. That is the biggest reason they've won two close football games. Because, you know, going plus two last week uh, in that football game, nine sacks. I mean, you don't want nine negative plays between sacks, tackle, philosophy. Nine quarterback sacks is way too many negative plays just in that category alone. Forget penalties, tackle for loss in the running game, whatever else. Nine quarterback sacks and 11, and a couple of them nullify, like you said. The reason they won the football game is they go one for eight on third down, uh, the turnovers, and red zone, you know. I mean, they've, they've only allowed in eight red zone opportunities two touchdowns to be scored. That's, what's, that's why they're 2-0 and in the playoffs. Because the ABCs, you know, those basic fundamental keys every single week, they've done pretty well. But, man, better protect your quarterback, and, and, uh, and you can't afford too many negative plays. I think that's going to be a, a factor in this football game as well. Um, so, but I agree. I agree. This, uh, this football game could be a 42-39 game, you know. It, Watch it! Watch it be in a watch it be a 2017 football game, but I'd be I'd be really shocked. I mean, I just think these two quarterbacks are playing too well. They have too many things that they can hurt you with, but the offensive line has to step up because Patrick Mahomes, talent-wise, has a better offensive line than, than Joe Burrow does. So Bengals' offensive line is going to have to step up and and play at a higher level than people anticipate and expect they will. Last thing, this city has gone bonkers for this team. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's wearing their Bengals gear. It's fun to see. I wasn't here in 81 or 88. Is this what it was like? It is, but it's different now because there was no social media back then. So there was no way for players to connect directly with fans, you know, and all the ways they connect now. So I think based on um, what was available to you. I mean, Fountain Square, we had, a, we had a pep rally at Fountain Square after losing the Super Bowl that it seemed like the whole city was at. They were hanging out from windows out of buildings. I, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Uh, we just captured the imagination of uh, the entire fan base in 81 and 88. And it's, it's even, I don't know what the multiplier is, but it, there's, there's, a, there's a multiplier for sure 
because of social media and because of how, how the NFL has grown. I mean, the NFL may be the most recognizable. You know, it used to be IBM. I think NFL might be the most recognizable three-letter, uh, you know, company, uh, business, whatever, that there is in the entire world. When you talk NFL, you're talking success. You're talking dollars. You're talking, you know, big stuff. The NFL is humongous. Last week's TV ratings proved that the four NFL games averaged 38.2 million viewers. That's a new record for that round of the playoffs. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. This year, Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the season with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. Up next, this week's one-on-one player conversation. I caught up with defensive back Trey Flowers, who joined the team in late October after being let go by Seattle five games into the season. Trey, this is your fourth NFL season, and you've been to the playoffs in all four, but this is your first trip to a conference championship game. What stands out to you about this team and the ride you guys are on right now? Uh, Just the togetherness. You know, we're all... We're all in it together. We all understand our roles just in the secondary around the team, really. I just, I feel everybody's together. We're all at one heartbeat right now. Jesse Bates praised you this week, saying that after being a quality starting cornerback in Seattle for the last three years, it's probably not easy to be more of a role player right now in Cincinnati, but you have embraced it. You've made a huge contribution. How have you approached this? Just, you know, just being where my feet are, really. Not looking past anything, not putting too much stress on myself. You know, I got here, just wanted to start over. And I got that, you know, I, they welcomed me in open arms and they gave me a role. So <laughs> I took it and just tried to make the best of it. We're chatting with Trey Flowers. One way that you have really helped this team is covering tight ends. And the Bengals have faced most of the best ones in the league in recent weeks. These guys are a size and speed nightmare. What allows you to be able to cover them? Uh, definitely height. You know, I'm 6'3", and I pride myself on speed and just being physical. Having a safety background my whole life. When I got to Seattle, they finally moved me to corner. So that just gave me more confidence in covering guys in general. So going at it, I always had a mindset that not my man, you know, just whoever I'm covering. So, yeah, they, 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 it just it kind of fell into place. And you face one of the very best for the second time this week in Travis Kelsey. He only had five catches for 25 yards in the first meeting. What makes Travis Kelsey such a unique weapon? Uh, he's a real, probably one of the best athletes on the field at, at whenever he's on the field, you know, just his savviness. He's in year nine, so he knows how to get open. He knows coverages. He knows that his quarterback's going to get him the ball. So he has to get open, and that's a good thing that he – He gets open a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And that quarterback, of course, is one of the very best. Patrick Mahomes is trying to get to his third straight Super Bowl this week. What do you respect about Mahomes in his game? I actually played against Mahomes in college all all those times. So anything that y'all see now he's doing on Sundays, I saw it in college. And I I applaud him that he brought it to the NFL. You know, a lot of people said he wasn't going to get away with doing the things that he does. And He's franchised it and <laughs> turned it into whatever it is you want to call it. He's just a playmaker. He's a ball player. All right, I'll look it up now, but how did Oklahoma State do when you played for the Cowboys and he was with Texas Tech? 
<laughs> I can say this with all confidence. Never lost to him. <laughs> Still. So, yeah, got to keep that streak alive. Got to stay undefeated against him. I like the way you think. We're visiting with Trey Flowers. Stanley Morgan has been dealing with a hamstring injury, and last week you replaced him as the gunner in punt coverage and made two great tackles in the second half in that win in Tennessee. This job is not for everybody. What makes a great gunner? Just the mindset. You got to prepare yourself. You know, you're, you're on the field, you're running as fast as you can, but you're, you're such an impact on the game. You know, it's, a, it's such a splash play. If you kick it and you make a tackle, a good tackle, it's just such a splash play. You just, it's how you approach it. A lot of people will say, oh, in my position, you know, I was a starter and coming to special teams, a lot of people wouldn't want to do it. But like I said, any role you put in front of me, I just, I just love playing football. That's all I'm doing. That was actually my first tackle ever as a gunner. So we celebrated that. And Stan was probably way more, <laughs> way more lit than I was. If you see him on the sideline, he's going crazy. And how was Darren Simmons? Because Darren obviously sets the bar very high. And to have you step in under those circumstances and make two big plays, I'm sure he had to be thrilled. He finally told me good. I did something good. So <laughs> we're taking baby steps at that. Hopefully I can get another one this week. <laughs> we're chatting with Trey Flowers. It's not easy changing teams midseason. What was the biggest challenge for you? Definitely the terminology. You know, I got here. It's just... Seattle, we're kind of like a cover. We're really, a, they were really a cover three team my whole life. So when I got here, it's more quarters and rolling the safeties around and knowing where the front is and being so multiple, you know, you gotta, you really gotta study this stuff. Did you know any of your current teammates or coaches or were you like the new kid at school? I knew Jesse just from the combine. We played safety together or oh, not together, but we came out together. So he was always somebody I kept up with and, uh, I remember Rob uh, Livingston from the uh, Combine. That's about it. Other than that, it was all new faces for me. <laughs> Last thing for Bengals cornerback, Trey Flowers. I'm going to make a statement. I want you to react. You are one win from going to the Super Bowl. What's your reaction when you hear that? Final four. And it's so doable. You just, we just got to go be us. It's, it's so doable. Make the plays in front of you. Don't stress. Cool, calm, and collected. We'll be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Trey, you've been an outstanding acquisition. You're playing a great role on this team right now. Congratulations on your success. Thanks for the time. All right, thank you. So I did look up the games where Trey Flowers played for Oklahoma State and Patrick Mahomes played for Texas Tech. Not only did the Cowboys win all three, but Trey is also 2-0 in the NFL against Mahomes with one win in Seattle and this year's win in Cincinnati. Flowers' teams haven't dominated on defense. Mahomes has led his team to at least 31 points in every matchup, but we'll see if Trey can make it six wins in six tries this Sunday. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. Visit onlocationexp.com for exclusive access to the biggest events all season long, including Super Bowl 56. Now time to get an interesting perspective on Sunday's matchup from a guy who will be standing on the field in Kansas City this Sunday. He was on the field interviewing Joe Burrow moments after last week's thrilling victory in Tennessee, and he'll be on the sidelines again this Sunday for CBS. It is great to visit with Evan Washburn. Evan, you've done games at just about every venue in the NFL, I'm sure. 
Is Arrowhead the loudest venue in the NFL? And describe what that sound is like from the sideline. That's a great question, Dan, and, and great to be with you here. And I would say Seattle is the loudest in the sense that there's, I think it's the acoustics of the stadium where you feel this ringing in your ear the entire game. But Kansas City and Arrowhead specifically, I would say when it peaks is probably the loudest. It, it's such a, it's such a, just a large space in the way that it's constructed uh, kind of that old school feel where it's all enclosed, where the, the sound does reverberate uh, all around. I can't imagine trying to call plays in it or get any sense of communication from the sideline verbally. So uh, it, it's right there with Seattle for sure. And in just an unbelievable atmosphere, but it's more the waves, I would say, of noise at Arrowhead and Seattle is just one constant uh, blast into your senses. Well, Tennessee might not have been that noisy last week, but it was certainly loud and the Bengals were able to handle it. You were at field level. What stood out about the Bengals victory for you? So much. I mean, it, it was kind of an odd game. I mean, you were there, you were calling it. it. It didn't have the feel of what ended up being a last second uh, type game with the obviously the McPherson kick to win it and really thinking, man, we might be heading to overtime here at one point. But the way both teams were playing it, it it wasn't the prettiest of games obviously the sacks uh that the Bengals were allowing and then the turnovers that the Titans were having it, each team was almost trying to find a way to lose the game before they found a way to win it uh what struck me though from the Bengals sideline was just the the calm and there there was no panic even when Joe just kept getting hit or they weren't moving the ball the way they'd like to, especially through the air. I just was struck by the fact, because you're often over there looking for that moment where it can be a galvanizing one where everyone's come together to sort of figure this thing out or that moment of panic and frustration. Uh, there was there was neither. It was It was business as usual. And I think that speaks to the poise that this team has at this point. We're chatting with Evan Washburn from CBS. You've interviewed Joe Burrow after several Bengals victories this year, and I know you've interacted with him before those games as well. What impresses you most about Joe Burrow? Just how comfortable he is in his own skin for, I mean, a relatively young guy. I know he's he's been on a big stage here, whether it was in his time at LSU, winning the Heisman and all that comes with that, and then being the number one pick. But it's been a unique couple of years in terms of coverage. I mean, we're doing most things on Zoom. There hasn't been as much face-to-face -face when it comes to the media and the players. And I think that that's, for some rookies, given them, you know, an insulated feel. So it's almost been easier than maybe rookies in the past or young guys in the past. And whatever scenario it's been with Joe, whether it's like this on Zoom or in person, we're doing an interview for the NFL today or in those post-game moments, I've always been struck by just his comfort to be himself and be authentic. And look, he's thinking about what he's saying because he knows he carries a lot of weight, not just in that city and in that locker room, but nationally. But he, he handles it well, and I just appreciate what appears to be a really genuine guy. All right, let's get to Sunday's matchup, beginning with Bengals defense versus Chiefs offense. Patrick Mahomes and company, they've scored 42 points in each of their two playoff games. How on God's green earth does the Bengals defense slow down Kansas City offense? Well, I think slow down, Dan's probably the, the proper term. We're just kind of relatively keep in check, and it's really key moments. And I think that's what we saw 
Sunday night against Buffalo. Buffalo's defense has been fantastic all year long. Statistically, we know the best in the league. And, and they played well over the course of much of the first three quarters and a half. And then down the stretch is, is when they got exposed a bit. And I think that that's really where if you're a Bengals defense and Lou Anarumo and, and just the, the leaders on that side of the ball, it's, it's recognizing time and situation. And when it's a pivotal third down or a fourth down or a, a, the red zone, finding those moments and making sure that that's where they're matching what Kansas City's bringing in terms of, of their explosive nature. And it starts with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. But I, to, to think you're going to completely – you know, neutralize them at this point is probably a fool's errand, but matching them in those key moments, I think uh, is one place to start, but it's going to be an immense challenge. And I think uh, there's so many ways to approach it. We've seen different uh, defenses. And I, and I do think that if you force Kansas city to be patient over the course of four quarters, it's not necessarily going to mean you hold them in check, but at least uh, it's death by a thousand paper cuts and not just, <laughs> gashing you left and right let's flip to the other side of the ball the Bengals scored 34 on the Chiefs back on January 2nd Burrow threw four touch passes three of them to Jamar Chase what do you see as some of the keys for the Bengals offense in the rematch well the thing I've been really impressed with when it comes to Cincinnati and their approach offensively is their ability to one have a plan but then be quick to pivot if they feel like that's not being effective. We even saw that Saturday where to start that third quarter, it was clear, okay, let's commit to the run game. Let's give Joe Mixon a real taste here because we're just not seeing success through the air because we can't keep these defenders off Joe Burrow. So, look, if, if you can have the same type of success with Jamar Chase, uh, then absolutely. Uh, I would think that that would be priority number one, but it's going to be priority number one defensively for Kansas City. So, it to me, it's not so much what the initial plan is. It's it's what's plan B and C. And that's what's really impressed me uh, about Brian Callahan, Zach Taylor, and Joe coming together and never sensing to have any sort of panic when they're forced to adjust, uh, whether it be in the first quarter or in the second half. I'm not sure anybody honestly expected the Bengals this year to be one win away from the Super Bowl. Do you see this as the start of something special in Cincinnati? Absolutely. I don't see why you, you, you wouldn't because it, it's not necessarily, I mean, we're seeing it a little bit right now with, with Tampa Bay. I mean, what they did last year was unbelievable. It was Hollywood-like. You bring in Tom Brady, you bring in a bunch of pieces that, that he wants that fit and the defense does what it does and you win a Super Bowl and anyone would take that, but it, those are not sustainable, whether it be due to contract age, where a player is in their career when you look at what Cincinnati has, I mean, it's an incredibly young team. Defensively, you've already locked up, whether it be contractually or otherwise, some of your anchors. And then offensively, you've got all these young guys on rookie deals. So there's no reason why, at least for the next, let's say, three to four years, you can't keep this group together. And then the staff has some real continuity. I know the assistants and coordinators are starting to get some head coaching looks, but Zach Taylor uh, to me, has complete command on what he wants on that staff. So absolutely, this to me is the, the picture of sustainability, at least in that, I would say, three to five-year window, because anything beyond that in the NFL is is probably not achievable just the way that the, the rules are, are constructed. 
As I mentioned off the top, you interviewed Joe moments after the victory last week. I hope you are doing the same thing this coming Sunday. Evan, we appreciate your time. Have a great game this weekend. Yeah, you too. And, and congrats on the run. I've uh, really enjoyed covering this team and look forward to doing it again on Sunday. Evan will be one of three sideline reporters for CBS on Sunday with Jim Nance and Tony Romo in the broadcast booth. Finally, it's time for this week's Know the Foe segment. Adam Teicher, who covers the Chiefs for ESPN, joined Lap and me this week on the Bengals Game Plan Show. One of the things that interests me about this matchup is what the Chiefs will do after having so much trouble defending Jamar Chase in the first meeting back on January 2nd. Obviously, they're going to make changes. Do you think it'll be major changes, or will the Chiefs basically do what they do with some minor adjustments? Uh, I think they'll they'll change significantly um, what they did because obviously it didn't work. Uh, uh, you know that was one of the best wide receiver games in the history of the NFL. So uh, they got to do something different. I suspect it'll be different. You know, maybe it's instructive to, to look at what happened. Um, uh, the Chiefs did against the Bills the other day. Um, they they really shut down Stephon Diggs. He was not productive at all um, in the game. And yet, you know, the Bills had just too much for the Chiefs to, uh, to, to keep down. And so Gabriel Davis had the 200-yard game uh, and, and a bunch of t- four touchdowns. So, uh, um, you know, hey, if the Chiefs shut down Chase, you know, is T. Higgins going to go off or, or Boyd or, you know, Joe Mixon? I mean, you know, maybe, um, you know, the Chiefs are just not capable of, of keeping it all down the way they'd like. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But I, I got to believe they're going to uh, change tactics quite a bit. On the flip side of it, um, Hill and Kelsey combined for 11 catches, which is the number that Chase had at them, but they had 201 fewer yards. when they only combined for 65 yards, and, and Chase had 266. So the Bengals were able to hold down both of those guys, which surprised me. I thought maybe, you know, control one, but control both. And they had no receiver gained more than the 53 yards that Hardiman had on that one big play that he had had a 53-yard reception. What what are the coaches, what was their comment or what was their reaction to the way the Bengals handled that passing attack in the first matchup? Yeah, it was kind of an interesting game uh, that the Chiefs had that day. Uh, So particularly in the second half, Bengals did a really nice job, not shutting down just those two guys, but uh, everybody really. The Chiefs really had nothing going offensively in the second half. So, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, the Chiefs will make their adjustments and do what they're going to try to do. Um, hard to predict, you know, what the Chiefs will, will do differently. I mean, I, I'm not in on their coaching meetings, but uh, they'll they'll try to figure some things out for sure. Yeah. Adam Teicher from ESPN is our guest. Not much is being made of this here in Cincinnati for obvious reasons, but penalties were a major factor in the Bengals' favor in that first meeting there were the pass interference penalties at the end of the game in the end zone there was a penalty on a kickoff return touchdown that got wiped out is it the Chiefs feeling and I'm not saying that they thought the calls were bad calls or anything like that but is it their feeling that if if they eliminate the mistakes they're the better team and they win the game well I mean yeah they were they certainly weren't happy with the refereeing Andy Reid was pretty clear about that after the game he um, he he was pretty clear that he thought some of those calls at least uh, on their defensive backs were not very good ones so um, uh, but I know the Bengals were unhappy with some things that day in terms of the refereeing as well so that thing that stuff tends to even out but 
you know, hey, you know, the, the one play that um, you know really kind of, well, there were there were a few of them, but one of the plays that really seemed to determine that game was that when the Chiefs had that kickoff return called back, and they were not happy with that um, uh, penalty as well. So, uh, hey, but you know, the Chiefs, particularly on defense, they use their hands a lot. I mean, they that's kind of what they do. They're um, you know, they, they, they get penalty. They have games like that at from time to time because, uh, you know, the, the type of coverage they have, they play a lot of press and guys need to use their hands and, uh, they get caught in the cookie jar sometimes. So uh, who's to say that won't be, it won't be a game for them, uh, like that this weekend. I mean, they, they avoided those kinds of penalties for the most part against the bills, but, uh, maybe they're due. You know, when you, when you look at it, the, uh, the chiefs, They've run the ball decently. I mean, people kind of sleep on their running game, and that, that's what they got untracked against the Bengals. The Bengals, you have to give up something if you're going to play coverage like they did against all those great receivers, and the Chiefs rush for 155 yards, averaging 6.7 per, and rush for a couple of touchdowns. In the playoffs, they're killing people, uh, you know, in the two games. They're, they've got 144 yards rushing to the opposition, 82 and a half. Uh, plus 61.5 yards, and they're averaging 5.9 a rush to the opponent's 3.8, plus 2.1. So you can't fall asleep on their running game as well, right? Well, yeah. I mean, um, you know, particularly if teams are going to play two deep safeties, just insist on that, then Chiefs are going to run the ball some and probably have some success, and that's certainly what the Bills did. And the other thing you can't ignore is the Pat Mahomes um, role in all this. I mean, he did a nice job, particularly last week against the Bills, but he does a, generally a nice job of uh, you know, picking and choosing his spots to run the ball. I mean, none of these yep. are called runs, but uh, he'll scramble out and get you a big play uh, and did that a number of times against the Bills. So, uh, you know, that, that's part of their rushing stats, obviously, as well. So that's something that uh, the Bengals have to look for this time around. We're visiting with Adam Teicher from ESPN who covers the Chiefs. I'm always interested in, in kind of the big storyline in the opposing city before a game of this magnitude. What are a couple of kind of the big themes that, that you are looking at and Chiefs fans are talking about with the Bengals coming to town on Sunday? Well, maybe to me it's maybe more than some of the intangible stuff. You know, the Chiefs had to dig real deep. They had to dig very deep. Um to beat the Bills. I mean, that game was intense from start. It wasn't just intense at the end. It was just intense all game long. And uh, so what kind of, can they come back with that, you know, a similar energy this week? You know, I wonder about that. You know, they've been pretty good under Andy Reid, generally speaking, and, you know, having their mind uh, on the task at hand each week and, and, and coming out and giving an honest effort every week. Um, but they've never had to dig this deep, I don't think, you know, to win a game. So, uh, you know, hey, hey, can they, uh, you know, can they muster up what it's going to take for a, another game like that again this week? And, and with the Bengals, I, I, I sort of wonder a little bit about, um, you know, what what this stage is going to be like for them. You know, the Chiefs are the, the veterans in this scenario, and they've done it before, and they've been there and know what this is all about, and the Bengals don't. Uh, and, uh um, so I wonder about that a little bit, although it looks like to me, Joe Burrow is kind of one of those guys who uh, has it figured out, you know, that he, uh, the, the, the rest of the team's going to follow him and, and, and follow his lead. And he's not the guy I'm necessarily worried about for the Bengals in that regard. So uh, just, just a couple of intangible things that may or may not have a fact, uh, a role in, in Sunday, uh, Sunday's game. Yeah, I guess the the, uh, the old adage sometimes it's good 
that guys don't know what they don't know? We'll find out. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, experience, I think playoff experience counts. You know, I remember the first playoff game I played in and not knowing what I, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I know I was a lot better in the second and third playoff game I played in after, after experiencing it the first time. But what about Matthew? Do you think Tyron Matthew, you didn't practice today with the concussion. Have you heard anything about, you know, every, every player tolerates concussions differently. Have you heard anything about the severity of the concussion and how, how Tyron Matthew is uh, tolerating that concussion? Yeah, the the Chiefs seem to be encouraged that he's going to be able to play on Sunday. So um, we'll see. I mean, they sometimes you hear these things that turn out to be wrong, but they seem to be encouraged that he's going to play on Sunday. So we'll see. I mean, you know, he's a guy who um, keeps his head in the playbook no matter whether he's practicing or not. So I I feel like he would be okay. If, If there's going to be a case where the Chiefs would be okay playing a guy who didn't practice all week, as long as he's cleared by Sunday, I think the Chiefs would play him on Sunday. Right. As, again, as long as he's cleared, it, it, even if he doesn't practice. But, you know, they still have a couple practice days left this week, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. But uh, my sense is right now that he's going to be ready to go. Adam, my final question is a simple one about Patrick Mahomes. You've been watching him and covering him for a few years now. What impresses you most about Patrick Mahomes? Oh, just there's no um, there's no situation that seems to get him flustered. You know, he he just seems to uh, um, find a way out of a, a a tough situation, no matter what, whether it's with a a, a no look throw or or a sidearm throw or or a jump pass that he had to he threw a touchdown pass and a jump pass the other night. Um, you know, it just it, his resourcefulness, I guess, to answer the question. He just seems to have a uh, um, almost always have a uh, uh, an answer for everything, and that that's kind of it's. You don't see that with guys who are as young as he is. Uh, it, it's really been remarkable. He's it's like he came into the league like a a ten year veteran. It really is. I mean, it's it's just uh, there there really hasn't been there wasn't any growing or learning curve for him. He just came out. First game, he threw three touchdown passes. His second game, he threw six touchdown passes. And, you know, while the numbers haven't been quite like that for the most part lately, uh, he's still still got it for sure. Uh, My final question is always on the all-important and third phase of things that doesn't get mentioned, special teams. Dave Taub, like the Bengals, uh, Darren Simmons, same title, uh, special teams coordinator, assistant head coach. These guys are valuable guys top special teams his uh, punt return team third in the nfl his punt coverage team first in the nfl his kickoff uh, return team ninth in the nfl his kickoff coverage team fifth in the nfl all of them top 10 three of them top five the hidden yards how big a deal i mean it's it's something to talk about isn't it yeah yeah no the chiefs do generally speaking a nice job on special teams you know the they um, pretty solid from week to week. It's uh, it's really remarkable how they've uh, they've they've managed that over the years since Andy Reid's been their coach. And Dave Tobe does a nice job, uh, you know, coaching the guys. So yeah, it is. Uh, uh, it could be a factor because uh, you know the, the Chiefs do a nice job on special teams, and uh, and I'm not just talking about necessarily big plays. I'm just talking about uh, just just being solid across the board, and and uh, so. Uh, but it's something to look for on uh, on Sunday for sure. 
Our thanks to Adam Teicher, and for much more on Sunday's game, join Lap and me for the Bengals Pep Rally Show this Friday afternoon from 3 to 6 on ESPN 1530 or on the iHeartMedia app by searching for ESPN 1530. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game, and On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.